Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week, we wrap up our 10-week journey called Red Sea Rules, based on the book by Robert J. Morgan, where we will be looking at 10 different rules that we can apply to our lives. In this book, we find that even in the midst of seemingly impossible situations, God can make a way that will move us from fear to faith. In week 10, Pastor Eric unpacks our final big rule. Don't forget to praise him. Today we wrap up our series called Red Sea Rules. And I just want to let you guys know, I have enjoyed so much walking through this experience with you. We've taken our whole summer and just dedicated it to walking through a significant chapter in the book of Exodus. And I've really learned from it and benefited from the different things that we've talked about. And I know in speaking with many of you, you have said the same thing and have really been encouraged with what we have talked about. Today I'm going to give you rule 10, kind of the last big rule, but before I do that, I actually want to say all of the rules and review them. So here we go. Rule number one, realize that God means for you to be where you are. Number two, be more concerned for God's glory than your relief. Number three, acknowledge the enemy, but keep your eyes on God. Number four, pray. Number five, Stay calm and confident and give God time to work. Number six, when unsure, just take the next logical step of faith. Number seven, envision God's enveloping presence. Number eight, trust God to deliver in his own unique way. Number nine, view your current crisis as a faith builder for the future. And our big rule for today, the final one, here we go, is don't forget to praise him, okay? Don't forget to praise him, which seems kind of strange that we would say that because, of course, as we walk through Red Sea moments, we're going to praise God and we're going to acknowledge him. We're going to do that, right? Well, not so much. It's shocking to me how quickly we forget to give God credit. When anything happens in our life, something rough or something good, we just quickly forget to give God credit. And so here's a few thoughts. If you're alive, and I think that's pretty much everybody in this room, okay? So we're talking to everybody here. If you're alive, guess what? Red Sea moments will come. They're going to happen. First Peter even tells us, don't be surprised when pain arrives, meaning it's going to invade your life, and don't be surprised by that. So if you're alive, guess what? Red Sea moments are going to happen to us. And here's the second thought, and that is pain is part of the plan. It's actually part of the plan, and Scripture is not silent on this. Think about this for a second. We follow Jesus, and he's an individual who is betrayed and then beaten and then killed, and we follow after him. 
There's actually some very disturbing words found in Luke 21 that say this about our following of Jesus. Verse 16 says, Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers. Yay! (laughs) This sounds great, doesn't it? Like, I want to be a part of that. If you're one who thought that coming to Christ meant the absence of pain in your life, then that is just a time bomb waiting to explode inside of you. And when the reality of pain happens and that intersects with that expectation, you will explode. When the reality of pain comes and that unmet expectation begins to butt heads with that thought that I shouldn't have pain, I'm a follower of Jesus and everything should be grand and glorious and he's with me and I shouldn't experience a Red Sea moment. I should never be stuck or caught between the sea and the sword. Everything, again, should just be glorious. So when the reality of pain meets that unmet expectation, things can get very crazy and we explode and in that moment, We forget to thank God for everything and anything. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be in our story that we've been walking through of God's people moving to their freedom. We find this happening to them. Pain. Exodus 14 verse 10 says that God's people cried out to God in their Red Sea moment. And that word cry is fascinating because it means that it was something very deep and heartfelt on the inside. They were saying to God, we are about to be crushed and destroyed. And God, can you do something about that? Can you save us? Can you rescue us? Because we don't want that to happen. And they're crying out to God. They're really giving up this heartfelt, passionate plea to be rescued. It was not this casual, God, we could use a little help here, and we're not having a good day. Can you just make things a little easier for me? It wasn't that kind of cry at all. It was this deep heartfelt, passionate cry to be rescued because they knew that they were in trouble. As we think about what's happening in the book of Exodus, God's people knew pain. And we know pain. I know in talking with many of you throughout this series, you've been very quick and willing to share some of your Red Sea experiences had a compelling conversation with a family last week. And they have gone through so much as a family together, but yet they really felt they were on the other side of a lot of their Red Sea experiences, and they were encouraged and excited about that. And then one of the family members got the word, cancer. And they're back at the Red Sea. And what do you do? For some of you, it's relationship stuff, or it's leadership crisis, or it's financial pressure, and all of those things have a way of invading our lives and bringing in pain that just kind of crushes. And what do you do in that moment? What do you do when you feel like you're just stuck and trapped between the sea and the sword? 
Well, here's what God is looking for. And here's what God wants from us. He wants us to worship. Whether we want to or not, He wants us to respond to Him and to His greatness. Now, we've made it all the way through Exodus chapter 14. And we've spent nine weeks in that particular chapter. And again, I hope you've had a great time just kind of peeling apart apart words and phrases in that chapter and looking at different meanings and how do we insert ourselves into that story because this is something that didn't just happen to people a long time ago that has nothing to say to us today. It actually speaks to us today as well. And so we got to put ourselves in the story. And for nine different weeks, we have walked all the way through chapter 14 and we've seen God do some amazing things. Today we're going to look at two verses in chapter 15 as we conclude this series. Before we do that, let me just remind you of where we've been. So God's people in chapter 14 have been experiencing 400 years of slavery. And that's all that they know. And so generation after generation after generation comes and goes. And the only stories they're able to share with each other are stories of slavery. God made a very unique way for his people to leave that slavery spot and leave the Egyptian empire and begin to form a new life and a wonderful nation and move into the place that God wanted for them. And so God arranged for his people to leave that slavery and that bondage. What happened is that the Egyptians soon realized that they lost their entire workforce. And so they put together an army and they chased God's people to the edge of the Red Sea. And it's in that moment where God's people find themselves stuck and trapped between the sea and the sword, and they cry out to God and say, please, rescue us. And God does that. God answers, and he opens up the Red Sea, and they walk across on dry ground, and then God closes the sea and takes care of the enemy. And now, here's what happened to them. Now, try to imagine this with me for a moment. Millions of people have just experienced something that is absolutely unexplainable. There are no words to insert into that story that say, well, here's what happened and here's why. It is just completely unexplainable. And God's people are shocked, dazed, surprised. The threat of terror is now gone. The enemy has been taken care of, and they're on the other side with no threat and just wide open spaces. I'm sure they looked at each other and just started screaming, Holy cow! They probably didn't say that, actually, but maybe they said, Oh my goodness! Actually, we do know what they said because it's recorded for us in chapter 15 and verse 1. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. You'll also find these words on the screen. Here's what they said in that moment that, again, just cannot be explained. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. So after all of this happened, a guy with a beard comes out with a guitar and they... I'm not sure that happened, but here's what they sang. (laughs) I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. 
He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength. He's my song and he has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. And when I read through that, it actually disturbed me a little bit because I know this is something that I don't really do enough of in my own life. The Lord is my strength. He's my song. See, put yourself in there. Throw yourself into the narrative because this isn't just for many, many years ago. It's for us today. So the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. And I know I do not find myself expressing that enough. But there is one thing that God wants in the middle of all of our Red Sea experiences, and that is worship. That's what he wants for us, whether we want to give that or not. In the middle of what we experience and in the middle of what we face, God is looking for us to worship. Now, for the sake of our conversation, here's how you can define worship. It's responding to the greatness of God. That's what it means. It means to respond to the greatness of God. It's looking up at God and saying, you are worth it. And I'm going to respond to you. And here's the reality. God is looking for every single person who has embraced his leadership and forgiveness to make every single part of their life an expression of worship. All of it, all of the time, from Sunday to Saturday, every single piece, just an opportunity to say, God, I'm responding to you and your greatness. You are worth it with our words and with our actions and with our thoughts and with our attitudes, with our work, with our money, with our songs, with our parenting. All of this is just a way to say, God, you are worth it. And right now, in this moment, I'm going to respond to the greatness of God. That is worship, and that is what God wants from us in the middle of our Red Sea. Now, with those thoughts in mind, I want to go back to the paragraph and read it one more time. Chapter 15, verse 1. And Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. That word triumph there actually means to be exalted in triumph. And it's saying, God, you are greater, you are stronger, you are bigger. That's what it means right here. In our language, it might sound like this. There is no one higher. There is no one greater. Right? That's what's happening here in verse 1. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength meaning my might, and I get my strength and I get my might from him. I don't get it from anybody else. I don't get it from any other source. My strength, my might, it actually comes from God, and he's my song, which means he's my music. He's my melody. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that God has birthed a song 
in your heart. And you've expressed that to him or even to others. It doesn't have to be a pretty song because <laughs> not all of us can do that. But I'm just talking about something that's happening on the inside where we're saying, God, you're my song. You're my melody. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him, which means I will beautify him. I will make him look good. When's the last time you made God look good? With a thought, with a word, with an action. When's the last time? See, as they're responding to the greatness of God after this unexplainable event, it's all about making God look good and beautifying Him. And when things are going well and when things aren't going well, this is what God wants from us. And then I will exalt Him, meaning I will lift Him up. I'm going to lift Him up. So the question is, for all of us, and we all, well, i got to think about this and wrestle with the answer. Is this the reality of my life? When I think about the words here in Exodus 15, these first two verses where God's people are just singing because they've experienced the unexplainable, is this the reality of my life as I face my Red Sea? Is this what's happening? Am I responding to the greatness of God? Am I telling Him all of the time with every part of my life Sunday through Saturday, that he's worth it? Am I doing that? Am I beautifying him? Two takeaways for us. Number one, view your current Red Sea as an opportunity to respond to the greatness of God. And this is often where we get into a little bit of trouble because when we're in our Red Sea moment and we're not feeling so good, we tend to step away and it's really, really hard to do that. But we need to lean in in greater ways even when it doesn't feel right or we don't want to or we're not ready to and actually view this Red Sea experience as a wonderful opportunity just to respond to the greatness of God and beautify Him. Second takeaway, view your current success as an opportunity to respond to the greatness of God. Because all of life isn't a Red Sea. There are those moments, but there are also moments of joy and success and blessing where we are overwhelmed with what God has done for us. So even in our success, let's be sure that we take time to respond to the greatness of God. And here's why we have to do this. I mean, this is why it is so important. It's because we quickly forget. In tough times or in great times, we just quickly forget about what God has done for us, and we move on, and we fail to beautify him. We fail to tell him that he's worth it. And so in our Red Sea, let's respond to the greatness of God, and even in our success, let's respond to the greatness of God, because if we don't, we forget about doing that. And our story here is actually a perfect example of this. If you were to continue to read through the rest of chapter 15... You're going to find God's people traveling in this new space that God has for them. And they're all excited and thrilled about that. And they're having fun because they're free for the first time in a long time. And they're having fun with that. But they get to a spot where they run out of water. And they're kind of thirsty, as you can imagine. And you would think 
in that moment, they would just go back and say, you know what? God did something incredible for us that can't even be explained. This isn't even as much of a crisis. We're just going to trust that God is going to provide for us. But that's not what they do, unfortunately. They begin to complain against God and against Moses, the leader, that you brought us out into this place and we're going to die here. And you walk through that and it kind of blows your mind. Like seriously, have you that quickly forgotten about the unexplainable and how God made the water stand up like walls and you walked across on dry ground and you got to the other side and there's no more enemy and you sang about how God is greater and stronger and bigger and you beautified him and now you just need a little bit of water and you can't even trust God for that? Like this makes no sense. What is wrong with you? And we get pretty critical in that moment. But here's what I've discovered. I do the same thing. And maybe you do too. I actually have something that happened to me this past week that speaks of my own crabbiness and my own inability to respond to the greatness of God that happens to involve water. So we have a refrigerator. Many of you probably have one of those too. The refrigerator we have has an ice maker, and I love the ice maker. It's just a beautiful thing. It might be my favorite thing in the whole house. (laughs) I'm serious. I I love ice and a whole cup of ice. There's nothing worse than going to a restaurant and you get two ice cubes. Like, what, are we rationing them now? It's water. This is no big deal. Let's get a full cup of ice because that's what you're supposed to do. Well, the ice maker and our refrigerator stopped working. And I opened up the freezer door and looked at a couple of things and tried to pretend like I was adjusting stuff, which I really had no idea what I was doing. And I looked at the kids and said, looks like we're going to be without ice for a while. And let's just see what we can do with this. And I found myself getting really irritated when it came time to get a drink that I had no ice. And so, you know, we're going to the store right now and buying the bags of ice that taste freezer burn, and it's just no good. It like ruins your drink. So I'm getting really, really irritated with this. And you would think, I mean, I've taught on this stuff for 10 weeks. You would think that I would go back to the rules and say, okay, what's happening here? What's happening with the ice maker? Like this rule, realize that God means for you to be where you are. (laughs) All right. Or this one, be more concerned for God's glory than your relief. All right, maybe we can do that. How about this one? Acknowledge the enemy, but keep your eyes on God. I don't know who the enemy is. Might be GE. I hope nobody here works for GE. Yeah, I'm just being a bit goofy. This really isn't a Red Sea experience, but it speaks to my own whininess. And I think the point is this. Whatever we experience in life, whether it is really, really intense and painful... And we get that because many of us have walked through those kinds of moments where it just hurts and you're crying out and you want relief in the worst kind of way. So whether it's intense and painful or whether it's just something that is adding some additional stress to our life, we cannot forget to praise him. We cannot forget to do that because if we do, we're going to land in a pretty dark place a dangerous place 
where we forget all about what God has done for us and we begin to whine and complain and moan about everything that is happening in life and we forget all of the chapters of God's amazing provision and how he has helped us navigate all of these different Red Seas. So as we wrap this up today, here's rule number 10. Do not, do not forget to praise him. And we're going to take time to do that right now. Will you pray with me? Father, we step into your presence right now, and we're just so thankful for this 10-week journey of considering your people and all that they walked through, challenges that they faced, and the different lessons that we can pull from that because, God, you have something to say to us through this ancient story. So, God, I pray that you'd still help us even as we're finishing this to put ourselves into the narrative and to think about how we can respond to you in a way that you want and you desire. God, we've discovered today that worship is responding to the greatness of God. That's what it means. That's what it is. And God, you are looking for us to do that all of the time in every area of our life. And we should not hold back and keep a peace from responding to you, but we need to open up everything and just say with our lives, with everything, we want to respond to you and tell you that you are worth it. So God, I just pray and ask as we walk through our Red Sea experiences today and whatever is coming tomorrow, you would help us to implement these 10 different rules. to keep our eyes just locked on you and beautifying you and making your name great. Like for you just to keep your head down and your eyes closed for a moment. What is God saying to you right now about your Red Sea experience? Or what is God saying to you right now about success and joy. Just talk to him with your own words from your heart to his ears. Just talk to God and say, this is what you're whispering in my heart right now and this is what I want to do and this is how I will praise you. God, we're lifting up these thoughts and these requests to you right now. Just pray and ask that you'd help us to really take these next few moments and internalize all of this and continue to think about what you want to say to us as we respond to you. So God, use these songs and these melodies, these words, our thoughts and our prayers to just tell you that you are worth it how we want to wrap this up. This is how we want to end. 
just by smiling at you, even if it's painful, and saying, God, you are worth it, and we will respond to you, and we will beautify you with our lives today and going forward. So God, use this time to craft in us a memory of what it looks like to respond to you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m. 